We're in Mark chapter 10, Mark chapter 10, verses 35 through 45. If you're physically able, out of reverence for God's word, I'm reading from the new NIV. Mark chapter 10, 35 through 45. Then James and John, the sons of Zebedee, came to him. Teacher, they said, we want you to do for us whatever we ask. What do you want me to do for you? He asked. They replied, let one of us sit at your right and the other at your left in your glory. You don't know what you're asking, Jesus said. Can you drink the cup that I drink or be baptized with the baptism I'm baptized with? We can, they answered. Jesus said to them, you will drink the cup that I drink and be baptized with the baptism that I'm baptized with. But to sit at my right or my left is not for me to grant. Those places belong to those to whom it has been prepared. When the turn 10 heard about this, they became indignant with James and John. Jesus called them together and said, You know that those who are regarded as rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them, and their high officials exercise authority over them. Not so with you. Whoever wants to become great among you must become your servant, and whoever wants to be first must be slave of all. For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. Let's pray. Lord, we offer ourselves to you. We pray that these words might be planted in our spirits and produce a harvest according to your goodwill. And so, Lord, we want you to become more and for us to become less. So we listen to you. It's in the name of Jesus we pray. Amen. Please be seated. In the context of this passage, Jesus is now on his way to Jerusalem to suffer and to die. He has warned the disciples on three separate occasions that that was what he was intending to do in Jerusalem. On one occasion, Peter actually tried to resist Jesus and and to stop him, to try to talk some sense into him. He didn't want Peter to go or he doesn't want Jesus to go and to die, and, and Jesus rebuked him, said, get behind me, Satan. Or, in other words, also, get behind me, Peter, and follow me to the way of the cross. I think that's because the disciples misunderstood the nature of God's kingdom or the nature of Jesus' um, kingdom. You see, Jesus was the Messiah, that's the anointed one, who is going to come and become the king over Israel and restore the fortunes of Israel, but they were thinking of that in human terms. They were thinking of it in human terms as an earthly king, and of course Jesus was not referring to human terms. He was going to prepare a place in heaven above. They were thinking, what kind of kingdom is this going to be, and what is going to be my place in the kingdom? And so James and John subtly ask Jesus, can we sit at your right and your left, which in an earthly kingdom is a successful place. Right-hand man, left-hand man. You're an acknowledged leader when you're sitting at the right and left. That was not, in the ancient world, it wasn't accidental. Seating arrangements were not accidental. They were carefully orchestrated, and they want the seats of prominence, of power, and of authority. But did you notice how they asked the question, They started by saying, promise us that you'll give us whatever we ask. Why did they start that way? Why not just come out and say, uh, you know, will you give us that? 
Why did they start by saying, promise us? Maybe they were concerned that it kind of sounds bad, you know, so they're trying to dress it up. Uh, maybe they thought it'd be outright rejected unless they kind of get that promise in advance. It's kind of like when I, when I remember coming home one time and my son m- met me in the driveway and said, Dad, promise me you're not going to be mad. <laughs> so I knew already something. But when you saw this passage, I want you to notice something that perhaps you haven't seen before. Jesus does not rebuke them for asking to be a success in his kingdom. He doesn't say, quit trying to, quit trying to succeed, quit trying to ask for things. You know, he doesn't rebuke them. He doesn't say that the request is inappropriate in terms of being a success in the kingdom of God. He just says that those places have already been prepared for somebody. Of course, they, James and John were kind of the big three of the inner circle. You got James and John and Peter, remember? They were the ones that witnessed uh, the raising of the, the dead girl and Mark. Uh, those three were the ones that got to witness the transfiguration. Those three were the three that went with Jesus off to pray. So may, there was a special kind of relationship with those three compared to the, to, to the other um, nine. He doesn't rebuke them for wanting to be a success. He just tells them, basically, you don't know what success looks like. He also says, which is interesting, that um, those spots have been prepared in advance. And you know, the next time that we get the same Greek terminology of at Jesus's left and right, and Mark refers to those who are crucified with Jesus on his left and his right. They really did not know what they're asking. But Jesus doesn't say to them, don't try to be a success. He doesn't rebuke them. He just says, you don't know what success looks like. I'm not going to pretend like I'm Jesus today. But like Jesus... I want to tell you that I want you to be a success. I do. I genuinely, personally want you to be a successful Christian. But it's important that you know what that looks like. It's very important. What it looks like is service. Successful Christianity looks like service. And that really cuts against every aspect of our life. No matter who you are, your age, you can come up with a reason for not doing service. When you're young, they don't respect me. When you're newly married, I'm just getting my feet wet trying to figure things out. When you first have kids, I'm so overwhelmed. I'm just starting off with my kids. When I come to church, I just want to get rid of them and do my own thing. When your kids get older, you get to the place where, listen, you know, I'm just trying to keep up with my kids. I'm on totally recovery more. I have recovery mode. I have nothing more to give. When they graduate, you're like, hey, we're finally rid of them. There's all these things that we wanted to do, but we weren't able to do until now they're finally gone. Get a little bit older and it's like, I've never realized how busy I am between grandkids and everything. I don't even know I had time to work. As you get a little bit older, you're like, hey, listen, I'm too old to serve. I paid my dues. 
And then when you get much older, I can't do anything anymore. There's nothing I can offer the church. At every stage of life, we could come up with a reason for not serving. But successful Christianity, greatness, authority, to be a success at your Christian walk, it involves service. And that cuts against all of our excuses. I don't know if you noticed the political statement in this passage as well. I know we don't have the Greek, so it's hard to tell. But Jesus says, if anyone wants to be great among you, I'm in verse 43. The Greek term there is maga, M-A-G-A, great. If anybody wants to be great, anybody wants to be maga, then he must become a servant. The Greek word is diakonos, which we transliterate into deacon, which is a servant of the church. See, even the greatest among us, even the president among us, is known by their service. And Jesus would say that's not how the world works. Uh, I'm listening to a book on tape by Jim Collins from Good to Great, and he suggests that the level five leaders, those are the, the best of the best leaders, the ones who not only do their businesses succeed triple of others of the same kind of industry, but who leave a legacy so that the next person that comes in succeeds as well. And they measure it over a 15-year period of time so that they're going beyond the, the, the length of a chairperson or the, the, the luck of the market. He says that the level five leaders are actually known by their humility and their willingness to serve rather than their boisterous commanding personality. And even people, he suggests people like Lee Iacocca, who were so effective and so good, left their companies in ruin when they left. They were strong, boisterous leaders, and the best leaders are servants and humble. So maybe that isn't the way of the world. But we certainly fight against the notion of service being something great. When I think of successful Christianity, I don't think of service. When I think of success overall, I don't think of service. If I were to ask you, describe your life if you knew that you had finally arrived. If everything that you tried to do to succeeded, what would your life look like? What, what does success look like for you? I think many people would say, well, I would have great service. I would have my, my food would be given by somebody who was a great waiter or waitress. Maybe I wouldn't have to cook on my own. Maybe uh, when I wanted to do something, it was like I had my own personal concierge or I didn't have to clean my own house. I could afford, you know, room service or, or housekeepers, or maybe I wouldn't have to do yard work anymore. I could afford somebody to come and do my lawn, or I would have the biggest, best TV or the best technology, or I would have a, a spouse that took care of everything I needed. We gauge success on these things, which means that we have to do less and less. But Jesus says that success involves giving your life away. I think it's important that we recognize what success looks like 
so that when we consider our lives and the direction our lives are going, we say to ourselves, am I trending in the direction that God has called me? And that's not based on how much is in your checking account or what kind of technology is in your house or how easy your life is compared to what once was. It's based on your service. It's important to know what success looks like. I had a conversation with Tony. Is he in here today? He's helping with Kids Church. And uh, we just hired Tony as our youth minister. And one of the things that's important to me is to talk to Tony about what I consider success to look like. Because if my view of success is completely different than his view of success, then someday we might get to a place where we, we cannot continue because we want to be on the same page. So I said, now, Tony, you know, my idea of success is pretty old-fashioned as a preacher. I want our church to grow with young and old together, with black and white together, with rich and poor together. And I want to grow so big that we have to have multiple services and so big that we have to have multiple churches but I want it to be all messy and all together. And I'm kind of old-fashioned that way. Now, that's not, I'm not, there's different ways to do church. I understand that. There are some churches that say, this is our white church. This is our black church. This is our wealthy church. This is our inner city church. You see, they, they, they separate them out. This is our young church. This is our old church. And I want us to be messy and all together. And that was important to me because if we have staff that come on that don't want to be together, that want to separate, then how we measure success doesn't mesh. So you want to be moving in the right direction. Well, whether you agree or disagree with my philosophy of church, we're just talking about vocation here. But we can all step back and agree on our philosophy of faith because Jesus has the authority to determine for us what success is, right? We don't get to determine that. And Jesus' determination for what successful Christianity is, is service, right? Giving your life away. That's the gauge. Oh, by the way, Tony totally agreed with me. Yeah, totally agreed. And is on board. And, and Tony knows service. Part of the reason that we were so inspired when he came and applied to our churches is for, for quite a while. He was a general manager at the Chick-fil-A at Town Center and Stars Mill. And, and listen, you know, if, have you all ever been to Chick-fil-A before? You know the restaurant I'm referring to? You know, if you're the general manager, you know, you're the epitome of customer service and Chick-fil-A does a good job, in my opinion, my opinion. Successful Christianity is Christianity that involves service, but it's the opposite to what we might think. Max Lucado writes in his book that he knew a doctor who was um, disillusioned with uh, the life in America, that success was based on better televisions and, and more money and, and bigger trips, and so he gave himself away by going on mission trips because he recognized that that life is not worth living if it's just meeting your own needs. You're never going to just be happy. You need to give yourself away. So what I want to do in today's sermon is to redefine what successful Christianity looks like. And it's not just resisting evil things and it's not attending church. It is giving yourself away. 
What does that look like for you? To give yourself away completely, what does that look like for you? Well, I, I think it pertains to our relationships and to the church and to our community. Give yourself away. I had a college friend who told me uh, that someday I need to find myself a good woman who will take care of me. I like the idea of that. A good woman who will take care of me. But you know what God says? Ephesians 5.25. Husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her, which is the opposite of being taken care of, isn't it? You see, Jesus radically redefines even marriage in a way that I don't like. My parents, we used to go out to eat once a week growing up. We'd go pretty much to Pizza Hut every Sunday lunch after church. We'd all split a large pizza, which is good when you were younger, but as we got older, it got pretty rough. One large pizza for four boys, my dad, three boys, and my mom. We always went out to lunch at this Pizza Hut because my dad said it's not right for your mom to have to cook and clean up and wait on your hand and foot. And so we're going to out to eat so that your mom doesn't have to, to work so hard. And my mom was a homemaker. And as I look back on life, she did wait on us hand and foot, us three boys and my dad. So that was really nice of my father to set that standard. But I didn't really appreciate it until we have kids now. And now I'm like, wow, what a great gift that was. What does it mean to serve your wife like Jesus served the church? See, Jesus redefines everything, our relationships at home, our relationships at the church, our relationships in the community. But if you wanna be successful, I want you to be successful and you're a Christian, then that involves giving your life away. That's the kind of church that we are trying to be. We're trying to be the kind of church that expects, that wants its members to give themselves away. It doesn't have to be serving in this church. It could be to the community, but we want everybody doing something. We want to create as many avenues for church members to serve as possible, even though to some extent we could do it on our own. We could, this morning service, just think about it. Ben could have been up here by himself with a guitar, and he could have led every song. I could have given the communication, or Tony. I could give the sermon. Ben will be back running the sound system while I give the sermon. We could do it all alone. We don't need all these people. But we're a better church when all these people are serving. Because to do Christianity right involves giving yourself away. So we're always trying to create that opportunity. Now, there is a consequence to a church like ours. If you don't want to serve, if you don't want to give yourself away, there's going to be a lot of peer pressure, pressured by this church to serve. And 
There are other churches that say, hey, listen, you come here and we will serve you. We want nothing from you except for your presence and we will serve you. And I understand where they're coming from, but if they don't also move those members into a capacity of service, then it's going to stifle their growth. You understand what I mean? And while it's appealing at the front end to be a part of a church where you're just taken care of, your Christianity is going to be underdeveloped. Because if you really want to do it right, then you're going to serve and you're going to give yourself away. So let me give you a couple practical things that we could do, I think, to serve as Christians, to give ourselves away. I think maybe we should redefine our functions at home. If you're a student, maybe you need to stop being a consumer in your house and start being a producer. Not just talking about working, but maybe take your turn doing the dishes or folding clothes, cleaning up after dinner or making dinner or doing yard work. All those things done without being asked, but done because you consider yourself to be a part of the family and that's part of what you do. Maybe it means that uh, the men in the house do something different than waiting for their wives to serve them, if that's your case. Maybe if you're the female of the house, delegating and allowing other people to try to do things even if they don't do it as well or the way you would like it to be done. I've met people who said, boy, I really wish somebody would help me, but when somebody tried to help, they didn't do it right. So maybe we need to try to redefine our families so that everybody has a place where they can serve, where they can do. Is that how your house operates? Does everybody have a function? You know, if you don't start early teaching your family how to serve, then as they get older, they're not going to know. They're not going to know. But it's bigger than home. It's at the church, too. Uh, the church is a place where we come together and we worship, but we also come together and we serve each other and we serve the community. And I'm concerned um, as I look at the roster of leaders that are in our church, the elders and the deacons and the people who are serving, and I see numbers dwindling, I'm concerned about the future. And so I think we need to be reminded that if we are a Christian, then we have a place that we serve. That might not be in the church. And that is part of a problem. Part of the problem is that the church manipulates people to serve until they die. You know, you accidentally collect communion one time, you're like, yeah, you're doing that until you die. <laughs> and then people get a chip on their shoulder. And we should never force somebody to serve begrudgingly. We should never guilt them into it. We should never manipulate them. Well, if you don't do it, I don't know who's going to do it. And so, you know, to some extent, the church creates its own problem. But it sure would be nice if you had 100 church members and 100 church members are all doing something. Now, you might listen to the sermon today and you're like, yeah, I know what he's trying. This is a self-serving 
sermon. I know what he's trying to do. He's roundabout trying to create a recruiting Sunday, trying to get us all to sign up to do stuff. Because I know if you think that, I think that way too. I went to a track meet on Friday and it was 10, 15 at night and I was getting ready to leave and there were people hanging out in the parking lot, kind of up to no good in my opinion. And so I'm not looking at anybody. I get in my car and there's a guy that's waving me down. And I said, no, no, man, I don't want any. He's like, no, no. I said, no, I'm, I don't want any. I don't, you know, it's dark downtown Atlanta, you know. He's like, please give me a jump. All I needed was his, his car was stalled out. It was cold on Friday night. And I said, oh, man, I'm sorry. I don't have any jumper cables. I've got jumper cables too, but nobody will stop for me in the parking lot with police officers driving around. But I was already dead set. I was already dead because I was so suspicious, right? You might receive the sermon today suspicious. I know what he's trying to do. What I'm trying to do is take seriously the words of Christ that greatness in the kingdom of God, that greatness as Christian involves giving your life away in service. And that starts at home. And it includes the church. And I'm so excited. Tony's going to meet with the principal at the North Fade Elementary School on Wednesday because we want to start doing something, you know, kind of an adopt-a-school thing, something in our community. Maybe to volunteer to help with the facilities or in a reading program or in the front office or I don't know what it could open up to, but we want to give ourselves away as a church. If we just define service by what is done in this church, there's maybe not enough for everybody to do. But if we expand to include the Faith Samaritans and the hospital and the North Faith community and, and the Christian City and uh, Faith Pregnancy Center and beyond and beyond, then there's something for everybody to give themselves away. And when you give yourself away, then you're obeying the command of Christ. And when you're obeying the command of Christ, then you're blessed by Christ because you're, you're giving your life away, as Jesus indicated. So we need to seriously view, no matter how old you are or young you are, at every stage of life, how is it that I can serve God? I know, I know a lady who for a while was not allowed to put any weight on her feet, but she was coming to the church, give me a quilt, give me another quilt. I mean, she was a quilt machine, quilting so that those quilts could be given away uh, to the men's homeless shelter. I know a couple ladies that come in every Saturday and they prepare all the lesson curriculum for our kids' ministries that happen on Sunday. So maybe they're not instrumental in teaching the kids every Sunday, so they, they come in together, but they're cutting things out, they're photocopying, and they prepare these lesson materials. And that's not to mention the host of teachers we have and other people who do things, sound, computer operators, all kinds of stuff happens. If you don't know of a place to serve, come and talk to me. And, and we'll, we'll find something that works for you so that everybody is doing something so that you can give your life away and experience that blessing in Christ. I served a church in Ohio, and we were unhappy. I'm not, not implying anything, but we were unhappy with the communion bread. 
at that church in Ohio. Because we thought it tasted a little bit like styrofoam. We love our bread here. I'm just saying, in Ohio, that was the case. And so this lady actually cooked a loaf of unleavened bread every week. And uh, it, she prayed through it, and that was her gift to the church. And so every Sunday, we had communion bread that was like homemade. And that was her gift. And that was the way that she served. Some people can sing. Some people can play an instrument. Some people can cook. Some people can babysit. Some people can clean. Some people can lock doors. There's all kinds of things that can be done just in this church. But I'm hoping that North Community or North Fayette even opens up a whole new realm. The principle I'm trying to preach is that Jesus indicated that greatness in the kingdom of God involves service that goes against culture that goes against our own instincts but to give ourselves away and God's going to bless you let me finish with this I got to go to Nicaragua with a mission trip folks this year it was a really neat experience but it was a little tiring by my preacher office standards you know what I mean and uh, there were a couple times that I fell asleep on the van to and from the work site. But we were so happy when we worshiped and prayed together. We were so happy because we were giving ourselves away, you know? And that feels good when you do the thing that you were designed to do, which is to give yourself away. It felt so good. God blessed us, and I think God is going to bless your spiritual life as you follow suit as well. And I'm serious about that. If you don't know where to fit in or plug in, would you please come and talk to me? We want to make sure everybody has an opportunity to serve, and God's blessing will follow. Let's pray.